Good morning, and welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I welcome you to this day of worship, Sabbath, and celebration. As we edge ever more into the fall, we are reminded again that this is God's world, and for that, we give thanks. So I invite you to join us as we celebrate and worship today our God of joy, grace, and love. Come on in. The first lesson comes from the very first Psalm, book one, verses one through three. Listen now for the word of God. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord and his law they mediate on day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is taken uh, from the book of Ephesians. We are in chapter 3, verses 14. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read through 21. 14 through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have a little exercise to get us started this morning. Um, if you were to come and meet somebody for the first time and they would ask who are you? How would you respond to that question? Who are you to a stranger? What would you say? And I want you to think of three different things. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And if you are near somebody, I want you to share it with that somebody, knowing that the somebody you came in with might very well know more than just three about who you are. But take just a second, pretend you're with a stranger, you were going to introduce yourself, and they asked, who are you? Three things, go. It's quieting down, quieting down. Okay, thank you all for sharing. Give me a couple 
that you wouldn't mind throwing out there? What's one thing that you might have said if somebody asked, who are you? What's that? A Christian, excellent answer. What else? A what? Father. I'm sorry. Grand, grandmother? Reader? Readers and grandmothers, yes. Greeter. I thought he said reader. Oh, okay, okay. Readers, right? Love to read too. Give me two more. From the balcony, give me one. Utes of the Lord. Just one thing you are. One thing. It's not going very well. One, three, two, one. What, a student? Yes! Thank you, students, fantastic. And one more from the floor. A volunteer, excellent, thank you. Yeah, so the things who we are, I was at a conference one time in Montreat and they went down or they asked you to do 10 of those. Say 10 thing, different things that you are when you might be introducing yourself to somebody. Now, why is that relevant? Because we are in this stewardship season and our theme is rooted and growing. And today we are talking about being rooted. And when you think about what are the things, the people, the places, the events that you are rooted in, often you would say that as you would introduce yourself to someone. So as we heard, it is faith, it is family, it is what you do of our, our students. You work in the places you work, you're in families in the way that you are in families, all kinds of different things from lover of bacon, to sports fan, to music lovers, to readers and book lovers, all kinds of things that we could say. Those are an indication of where your roots are, just a light indication. What we are looking for and what Paul is trying to help these Ephesians see is that at the core of who they are, they are God's children just as we are. So as we look at Ephesians, this is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is beautiful. Uh, I went on a seminary trip, 19 and 99, went to Greece and Turkey and saw several of these uh, biblical sites and Ephesus was one of them. And one of the things that sets Ephesus aside is because the library there, you may have seen the facade, they have kind of recreated it with the pieces that they had to make it look like it kind of would have looked in the day. And so you get a sense of what that might have been like. Uh, Ephesus was um, a popular city in that time in, in Asia Minor. It's Turkey now um, near the coast. It was a trading port. It was where several main trade routes came together, all kinds of religions and cults. And into that walks Paul and starts this church. Paul spent some time there a couple of times. 
And so Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus isn't necessarily, as some of his other letters are, worried with factions so much, not so much worried about Jews and Christians getting along to, to, to form these new Christians, this understanding of who Jesus is, but yet it's about how to live our lives. And so in this third chapter, Vicki mentioned it before, it is a prayer that Paul is saying for his church, that church in Ephesus, and by definition, we who seek to follow Christ and are open to that, he is praying for us as well. What are the things that sound familiar? Listen, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you will have the power to comprehend, to understand what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's twice about love as it pertains to God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Rooted and grounded in love, in God's love. So where do our roots anchor us? Our logo for this stewardship season of rooted and growing is a tree that's growing and then you see the root system below the surface. As you know and understand, roots can be shallow if that's where the nutrients are that it needs to survive and roots can go deep. But there's always a way that the roots care for the tree, the rest of the tree that we see, often with the roots underground. If there are shallow roots for trees and there are other trees around, often those roots will intermingle to support one another so that that grouping of trees is stronger through the storms, through the winds, through the floods, whatever may come. They work together to support one another. Hmm, sounds like tree church to me. And then there are some cases where the roots go down because that's where they need to be to anchor and that's where they need to find their nutrients. Now, as you may see around town in your yard, as you go and see trees, sometimes those roots are above ground or maybe they're kind of like a submarine and they're half above and half below in your yard. And then some just are strange configurations that you wonder how they support the life of a tree. I'm going to show you a couple of these over here. Okay. If you can see that, um, this is a wall in India. And you see some of the red markings. That is a wall. And plastered and or growing through that wall is the root structure of the tree that you can't even see above, but you see the roots. How in the world does that work? Where are the nutrients? Where is the soil? Is it going through? Is there dirt on the other side? I do not know. Let's take a look at this. This is the Toh Prom Buddhist Monastery in Cambodia. 
That is some crazy. What you see is this huge tree. We don't see as much up, but you see the root structure that has overcome this portion of that temple. And it's not just down. There are roots going up and over. There are roots going through and then some down. This one, another different monastery. This one is Ta Sum, also in Cambodia, where roots are the most fun, apparently. It's over the entrance to this temple. And again, growing full, there's green leaves. It is healthy, grows around and down into the ground, has found a way to exist and to thrive. Last one. This one is in the United States. It's at the Kalaloch or Kalalok. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say that. Olympic National Park in Washington State. It is on the beach. This is a Sitka spruce, and you can't see the bottom, but there is a stream that flows out onto the beach as you are looking at it. And what we're seeing is that there are roots on either side of this chasm, and somehow the tree has been able to root itself on either side and possibly behind. You can't see that that clearly, but it is literally sitting in that gap. The roots, the big ones, the small ones, interconnected, growing, have anchored that tree in that precarious position. So when we think about roots and we think about our roots, part of our job is to say, how is our root system? How ingrained is it? Maybe it's a root system that works on the side of the wall. Maybe we have grown over some kind of chasm or maybe the ground gave way beneath it, but like that last tree, that, that spruce, we are still anchored. That is the benefit of the root system. And if you looked closer, again, there were smaller, more intricate system of roots that were woven around, and then the bigger, thicker ones, and each did their job. So what Paul is saying to them is that, guess what, Ephesians and First Pres members and community at large? You are surrounded by a culture that seems to be going off the rails. There is so much shifting. There is so much going on in this world, in this culture, in this country, in this city, and in this church. Some of it you like, some of it you don't. Some of it makes you worry about where we are headed. No different for those Ephesians. Imagine following the cult of Artemis, or Diane was the, was the temple there that they followed, fertility, goddess. And then Paul comes to town and says, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. He was a carpenter. He was poor. He taught. He healed. Did all kinds of amazing things. Then gave himself on the cross, but that wasn't it. He was raised from the dead, and he has got a life for you that he has given you, that he wants you to claim. 
Come and listen to some more as I talk about it. And Paul was able to grow that church family. Do you think it was easy starting a brand new sect, which we would look at now and call a cult? Weird little cannibalistic, they're eating him and they're drinking him and there's all kind of weird stuff going on. It would have been as strange to us as new cults and new different groups of people who claim to follow um, all kinds of crazy things and people. And yet, God's spirit was at work. God was grounding them and rooting them before they even realized. And the more they took root, the more they were then able to grow. And we can't do one without the other. So I want you to think about your life today. Where are you rooted? And later we'll get to, are you growing? And Paul says that the wonder of this is that we would comprehend God's love for us. He says that several times. Paul doesn't say what we have to understand is that God holds power over us and if we aren't rooted in God, then we will be smacked down and crows will peck on our eyeballs for all of eternity. So in other words, he doesn't say, you better or God's going to get you. He says, listen to this God that loves you, gave you life, saved you from yourselves, and will redeem you and walk with you always. Who wouldn't want that? And Jesus proved it in his lifetime. We think this was written around 60, 62 AD, so still many people around who traveled and walked with Jesus and saw all of the things that he did and saw the way that he died and then saw him raised. But we're shifting into that second generation of Christians. And then we'll get to the third and the fourth and the fifth until we get to us today. Each one of those generations was rooted in the Christ that died and rose for them. And today it is the same God and the same Christ who died and raises for us. But are we rooted? Do we have shallow roots or do we go down? Are our shallow roots interwoven with others so that we can support one another? And again, let me say, wherever you are in your faith journey, it is enough and you are in the right spot. You are here for a reason. And God is seeking to speak with you and dwell inside your heart and life. The more that we are rooted in Christ, the more that we can, just like those trees, withstand the storms and the floods and the rain and all that will come in this life. Matthew 7, 24-ish and following tells us that if we build our house on solid rock, it will remain through those storm conditions. If we are on sand, that shifting sand will do just that 
and that house will fall. There it is a rock, here it is roots, root systems. So why do we want to put down roots with Christ? Paul tells us, very convenient. So that you would know what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. What are we filled with now? Well, lots of good things. I know it. I know y'all. There's good things inside of all of you, but often there are other things that push God out that dwell within us. It is other voices. It is demands on our time. It is those things that separate us from God that can fill us that isn't the fullness of God. I think there's so much faith, self-esteem challenges for all of us. Because no matter how long you've been at church, no matter how involved you are or not, all of us are afraid to step up because maybe we don't pray as much or as long as we would like. Maybe we don't serve others as much or as often as we would like. We don't read scripture as much or as often as we would like or at all. I'm not going to stand up and tell somebody else what to believe. I'm not going to go to a meeting where I know all those other people have memorized the Bible and pray 23 out of 24 hours of every day. So we relegate ourselves to our island where faith cannot grow. Faith grows through the Holy Spirit and through the gift of the community. And the more that we can be filled with God, the more that we can come and learn and say, you know what, I don't know it all, but I want to learn some more. Or this is the way I read this. How do you read it? Bring your gifts to this situation. Can you organize something so we can go out and tell others about the love of Christ? How are we going into the world to live, to act, to show others what it means to follow Christ? To be filled with the fullness of God means that we are filled in all of that stuff that keeps us from Christ is displaced and put down. The fullness of God within you. Think about what that might feel like and look like. The fullness of God within you. That, I believe, friends, is what we are seeking. I think most of us feel like we have God within us, dwelling in some part of us, but we often overtake that with our complacency, our lack of discipline, our just outright refusal to believe that we have been called to walk this journey. But we are seeking to be filled with the fullness of Christ. And in doing so, all of those questions, do I, do I know enough? Have I memorized all of the book of Psalms before I can set foot into a church? Ridiculous. None of us know that. Do I pray enough to go to that meeting and tell other people they should be praying? Of course you do. When we are rooted in Christ and filled with God, that's where we want to be. 
And that can come and go. Sometimes that fullness can move and go away. But that root system is in place. And the longer and stronger we follow, the deeper and wider those roots go, so that again, when the rains and the flood and the winds come, we know that we can withstand no matter what tragedies befall us, and they will. We are not alone. We are rooted in one another as a community and in Christ. God loves each one of you to the point where you don't ever have to worry about self-esteem or your faith self-esteem. God made you who you are and there's only one like you. You are the best one of you that there is because you're the only one. And God is calling you in the season of stewardship to say, I have given you so many great things that I want you to use to help other people understand I want them to be rooted and grounded in my love. I want them to be filled with the fullness that I give them of the risen Christ. That is our call. So today we examine and look at our root structure. If you're not there as far as faith goes, that's what we're here for as a church. Find a faith community for those of you out there watching. We'd love to have you join us. But if not, find a part of the body of Christ to be a part of. Practice your faith. That's what enables the roots to grow. Deeper, wider, more secure, And open yourself to the fullness of God. The fullness. We don't have to play these games. Stop the defenses. Put the walls down. And just let the Spirit flow through you. How many Trip Richards have come through this church since the mid-1800s? How many faithful Christians have passed that, rooted themselves in Christ, and lived that through this congregation, not just here, but into the community and into the world. Lots, bunches, a plethora, thousands. And today, friends, it is us. We have been given all of those gifts to share with others what Tripp knows and is inspiring and challenging us to know as well, that we too are rooted and grounded in Christ through First Presbyterian Church. So as we continue, remember these words of Paul to his family in Ephesus. Know that it is God's love that he wants us to know about and experience to be grounded and rooted in Christ and let God fill us full with all of God's goodness. Hallelujah. Amen.